Welcome back to the What's Your One More podcast. Today, I am joined with an amazing guest. I'm so excited to have you on the show, Rachel Todd Bing, Miss United States 2017 and leader of the Bombshell Movement. Welcome to the show today. Thank you. Hey, so glad that you're <laughs> here. Um, you know, I see something like Miss United States 2017 and I think, okay, you don't just wake up one day and go, this is what I want to do. I think of like an NFL player or a major league baseball player, like this takes extensive effort and time to get to that. And so, you know, immediately out the gate, as, as we talk about this, my first question is like, how and when, like at what age do you go, <laughs> you know, I have a daughter, you know, and I always wondered like, you know, is this going to be part of my life? Is this right. what we're doing? At what age do you decide this? And then what, what's that like? Like, how, how do you do this? Yeah, I have been on some, some podcasts and interviews. And I, every time I think to myself, you're going to get better at telling the story and make it pretty succinct so it doesn't take up the entire interview. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm going to attempt that today, but we can dive in if you want. Sure. I, let's see. I, yes, it's, it's a, it was, it was a big feat. By the time I got there in 2017, it didn't seem as big to me because I had been working at it for so long, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. So like somebody who plays in the NFL or, you know, I assume somebody that plays in the major leagues, like they've been in that world for so long that the time they get there, they're like, yeah, well, I, of course I got here. That's been the plan all along. Like that's right? my expectation. That's been the vision. Yep. But <clears throat> I actually started pageantry to get back at an ex-boyfriend in college. That's okay. really why I started. You're like, I'm going to show him. Yes. It was my very first boyfriend and I went to UCF, go Knights. Yeah. And I, <laughs> it was my first love, all of the things. He told me we were getting married. And then the next day, one day he told me like all the things that he was normally saying. And then the next day he was dating a girl on the track and field team and he never spoke to me again. Oh, wow. And so it, I saw a sign at school that said, you know, Miss UCF pageant. And I just thought, I've never been like the cool girl. I've never been that. And I thought, well, I'm in college now. Like I can create a whole other, like I could go after anything. Like, cause I was bullied in school when I was in middle school okay. and high school. So when you were younger, you know, you hear people being groomed for these positions. That's not the case here. Like no. you're like, Hey, I'm in college. And this sounds like something I think I'm going to try. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I thought, well, and the selfish thought was, well, he played football for UCF. Okay. So I was like, <laughs> If I'm this UCF and yep. I get to go out on the field during a football game, he's going to have to recognize he's that. He's going to have to see me out there. Yeah. And that's going to be like the best revenge ever. <laughs> I so never won. Driven by revenge. Okay. Never won Miss UCF. Never. never. Wow. Never won Miss UCF. I got first runner up and then I competed again the next year, second runner up. So that plan failed, but it all worked out. <laughs> It sounds like it all worked out yeah. in. So you mentioned earlier in that uh, statement that you were bullied growing up. Mm -hmm. Now, was this start like in high school or was this like middle school? Or do you mind talking about that just a little bit? It started, I was, I was tested for the gifted program here in Florida. Okay. And I don't want to say anything negative about the program. It, at the time when I was in middle school, you were in a separate building if you were in the gifted program. Okay. And so now I compare it to sort of like the X-Men training building because <laughs> I talk to the kids now that we're adults who were in the normal classes and they were like, we didn't know what was going on in there. So you had Professor Xavier over there teaching you. Exactly. Okay, gotcha. And we had our own lunch table. They wouldn't even let us like mingle with the regular kids at lunch. They said like gifted kids sit here. So it was almost like poorly poorly designed to ostracize in a way, but by accident. That's weird. So then not only that, and I make this joke now cause I'm really okay with it, but I had, I was the bottom of the totem pole of the gifted girls. So you have like the gifted kids are at the bottom. Then okay. there's like the gifted girls. <laughs> and then I didn't even get invited to the sleepovers with the gifted girls. Ah, uh, gotcha. So it was just totally the, the, I just, 
I, I stuck out. But I remember one day in particular in seventh grade, a boy named Michael Lorenzana, not to mention names or anything, he <laughs> said that I was the ugliest girl in school. And I just, as a seventh grader, you're just very influenced by that. Sure. And it stuck with me. So I remember just thinking like, well, no one wants to look at me and I shouldn't show my face places. So I'll just always sink into the background. Oh, so that's wow. really the identity I claimed. And this is before social media. You know? yeah. So this is like, so this, this, this cat just comes straight to your face and says, Boom. I don't know if I honestly don't know if I overheard him say it or if he said it to me. Either way, either way, it's, yeah. it wasn't posted online and it was no, within it earshot, cyberbullying. which it's like literally, you know, one and the same at this point in today's world, but still they're <laughs> straight like, to I mean, the heart. straight to the heart, straight to the heart, shot through the heart, yeah. shots fired right yeah. then and there. So you kind of yeah. like, like sink in a little bit to the yep. shadows at this point. Yep. And then in high school, I remember I was, my best friend was, was quite popular among the boys. And so it was always like, I was the opposite of her. It was like, <laughs> if I was talking in the conversation, I remember one boy leaned over and told my best friend, can you tell your sidekick to shut up? Ouch. So it was like, I had already told myself, like, just sink into the background. And then it was like, oh, your voice is annoying too. Uh. So I just got really quiet and just really didn't think I should be noticed. Yeah. So that's got to weigh heavy, especially yeah. in high school. Like you've got, you've got this notion of what this one person said in seventh grade and you're kind of starting to fill your space. And then you get this, mm -hmm. this second shot fired at this point. Like, so you're going through high school. Like, how do you, how do you cope with coming out of that, going into college and saying, I'm going to find my space. And then you're really putting yourself out there going into this Miss UCF. I know. I know. It, it really helped that my mother had started a 501c3 in central Florida at the time. And it was, it was focused on families that were facing homelessness, especially during the recession. Yeah. So it was founded in 2017 and she was being asked to speak at so many different organizations, women's clubs, rotary clubs, you name it, corporate offices that she couldn't be in all those places at once. And so I was already um, an intern for her for school. I was helping with um, HR manuals and putting together cool. events and planning galas and fundraisers. And so I was very immersed in the the stats and what was really happening in our world right then mm -hmm. in in the way of families who were doing great. And then with construction crash, I'm sorry, the real estate crash, and that led to a lot of people yep. in my hometown in Oviedo were construction businesses. And so you had these people who were seemingly living the quote unquote perfect life, two car payments, a mortgage, all the things overnight it was gone, you know? Oh, yeah. And so you had all these families that it, we called it the changing face of homelessness at the time. So not I do, to go off I on do, a big tangent. No, but, I recall that. I mean, we had yeah. the same thing here in Jacksonville as well. It yeah. was absolutely this changing face. Of, I remember that yeah. campaign. People you would never expect to be at our food pantry were showing up. People my yeah. mom knew from church, you know? Well, it's when, that's when homelessness took on a new face mm -hmm. because you think of homeless people, you know, definitely not getting off off topic here, but we always thought the way that campaign was presented to me was you always think of like homeless people as people that live on the streets. Right. Drug or, addicts. Yeah. Or, or maybe live in their car, but homelessness has different, you know, there could mm -hmm. be people that are struggling to pay a bill, but live underneath a roof, mm -hmm. you know, but they're struggling and they're sacrificing food to offset some of those struggles. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a tough thing. So at the time I, my mom then said, I need you to go out and start speaking on behalf of hope. So I would say that that I attribute a lot of me stepping because I felt like I was doing it for others mm -hmm. that I had to become somebody else in order yeah. to be there at those events. What a great, what a great thing to do. 
And and so that was really, really helpful. So that helped you put yourself back out there, build your confidence. You're talking in front of people, but the, the actual- These like, adults were accepting yeah, me. So I was like, this, well, the kids from my hometown aren't here anymore, so right. I can become who I'm meant to be. Yeah, and you're doing it with a drive and a desire that's not about you. Right. It's about something else for a greater cause. Mm-hmm. And that, wow, that's kind of a great, great idea. I mean, to, to kind of put yourself out that way. So getting back to UCF, we just talked about I should correct there. that my both my parents founded the foundation. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool mom and dad. Yeah. So we get into UCF, you runner up, then second runner up the following year. And then where do you go from there? Okay. So just in short, in order to get to a state pageant, when you're competing in the Miss America organization, you have to win a local, um, a local being like Miss Jacksonville, Miss River City, Miss Miami, Miss UF, Miss UNF. I don't even know if there is a Miss UNF right now, but those pageants, they're headed up by volunteers. So if you would have won that Miss UCF, that would have been an automatic like bid into that. It's like your ticket. Okay. So your it's bid. like an audit bid to get mm-hmm. in there. Okay. And so I didn't get it, but I didn't know about Miss Florida. I My sites were so small that I was just trying <laughs> to get on the football like, just, field. The field. I'm looking for the 50-yard line right <laughs> just here. just want to be Miss UCF. <laughs> I did win $600 in scholarship money, which helped pay for my books that semester, That's cool. which was awesome. So That's that cool was like the that. segue. I started to learn okay, forget about the revenge because forget Jordan. Now I can win money, which I needed. I had Bright Future Scholarship in order to get into college. I had 100%, thank God for that program. And then I was working full-time as a server at Cheesecake Factory. So I I needed help for school. So this is 2008, 2009 time. Yeah, I was graduating. Okay. Yeah. And so at this point- So then a woman came up to me at the pageant when I had lost again <laughs> and I'm very competitive. And she said, she watched, she kind of like, she'll, hopefully she listens to this. She came over and she has bright red hair and she's an older woman. I love you, Mary. And she said, um, you need to k- keep going. You don't need to give up and stop here. And I had no idea who this woman was from Adam. And she handed my mom a business card. Okay. And I was surrounded by my family at the time. They're all like, you did great. Yeah, blah, blah. And I was like, get away from me. Like, <laughs> didn't win. And so I looked at her and I was like, okay. And she just kind of like waddled off or, you know, she was wearing high heels. And I was like, I don't know who that was, but that was annoying. <laughs> and we get home and I'm, you know, a couple of days later, mom pulls out the business card. She was like, that was the executive director of the Miss Florida organization. And I oh. was like, Oh, interesting. What's that? So then we like get online, we start Googling and I was like, oh, there's more to this whole thing. So then it led me to a pageant in Miami, which led me to Miss Florida. I show up. I was one of 48 women. I had never been to that the before. State of Florida. State of Florida. You're there for a week. Practices, rehearsals, appearances. This was all in St. Petersburg at wow. the Mahaffey Theater. And I won. And I was the first woman to ever like show up and win it on the first try. A lot of girls come and go year after year. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com. 
because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. You can go to the state pageant as many times as it takes you to till you win it or you mm-hmm. age out. Okay. You can only go to Miss America one time as a state title holder. That's your one shot. Okay. So mm-hmm. you got one shot to make it You got there. one shot. All right. You get multiple shots to get to the state title, <laughs> and then you get one shot at Miss America. Wow. So winning was <laughs> quite the shock to the girl that you just learned about. Like, wow. you know, the one who really doesn't think that she should be yeah. viewed as that epitome of a beauty queen, right? So this was in 2009, this happened. 2009. 2009, mm-hmm. show up. Graduated college in May of 2009, one in July of 2009. Wow. Yeah. Wow. My so first you're job. you're probably equally as shocked at this point. Oh my God. I was, <laughs> looking back now, I can openly admit that I remember afterwards, there was all these TV stations at the theater coming in and I had never been in that situation in my life. And there was like this security guard that came and they took me down. I had no idea where I was, but there was an elevator backstage and they had to take me down to this room where all the press was and all these lights were in my face. And all I'm thinking is they're going to figure out really soon that I should not be doing this. (laughs) Like I'm going to be found out as the fraud. Like it's going to happen here in the next couple hours. Yeah. Letting fear take over a little bit. Yeah. The imposter syndrome, all of it. Yeah. And I had pictures up from my 21st birthday on Facebook. So I was texting or calling my best friends. Take them down. Get those pictures <laughs> offline. Like, you know. And this, and at that time, like that's the only social media of that in my yeah. space. And it's very new still. Right. right? People aren't researching right. that. So here you Which are hindsight, I was 21. So it was completely legal for me to be acting the way that I was. Sure. But I was immediately worried like, oh my gosh, people are going to know I'm a normal human who was doing mm-hmm. shots on my 21st birthday. <laughs> oh my gosh. How dare you? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So you win. What's the, like, do you, do you represent that for a little bit, then go straight to Miss United States? Like what's the duration between winning that and then going to that next, so, or Miss America at this point, yeah. excuse me, to Miss America at this yeah. point? Yeah. At that time, the Miss America pageant was in January. So you win over the summer is when all the state pageants are stacking up their winners, right? Okay. So you're getting your Miss Massachusetts, your Miss California, everybody's winning. Okay. And the roster is being built. And I believe all the state pageants had to be concluded by the end of July or something. I think I was one of the last ones. So then you're essentially in like, you have two lanes you're in. One lane is your Miss Florida and you need to represent all of what that entails, speaking engagements, hosting, school visits, and you're preparing like you're in a pressure cooker to go to the biggest competition of your entire life in five months. Wow. So when you're doing this, are you getting, as representing the brand, are you getting compensated for those speeches? Are you getting compensated (laughs) for any of your time during this time? Or is it just an expectation this is what you do because it's been done in the past? I don't think a lot of people realize that when you're a state, when when you see these young girls that are Mm -hmm. out there as state title holders, they're not being paid like a salary of any sort. So nothing. Nothing. And usually they're either either in college and they're pausing their studies to take on that role or they're just finishing college and that's their first job. Wow. So I relied on, I had host families around the state. So I would stay with like my family in Orlando and my director was in Miami and we had another family in St. Petersburg and a family in Tallahassee. And then I drove a 1995 Jeep Grand Cherokee at the time and it was breaking down and there was no way that car was going to make it because I put about 54,000 miles on a vehicle that year. Jeez. And and so I was very, very lucky that year that we had a a old family, an old family friend who ran the Everglades Foundation and she sponsored a vehicle for me that year. Wow. 
because yeah. you're not getting a company vehicle for this. No, <laughs> so. no. I drove to Miami to go meet with the director right after I won, and I showed up in my in my Jeep, and the bumper had fallen off, and they were like. Are you okay? Is that what you're planning on driving the whole year? And I was like, well, I don't know who else thinks I'm going to be able to just like magically right. get enough money to buy a car. But yes. Yes. Represent the state vehicle. with no bumper. No yeah. problem. Yeah. Wow. I would like park in the back of parking lots and get out in my, until I had the vehicle that was right. sponsored. But and I did, I did go to some events in my Jeep. Do you think that's still the same today? I mean, with like social media, the way it is today versus where it was in 2009, do you think people are getting sponsored for that representation today online? It varies state to state. Okay. So some some states states like Texas, Alabama, your big ones, they, they have some great sponsorships. And I do believe currently in the state of Florida, we have a good sponsor over in the West coast Mm -hmm. that sponsors a vehicle from Miss Florida. I believe there's actually a gas sponsor now because that was one of the biggest hiccups for me was filling that gas tank. Especially during that time. Prices were very high for gas. So I did get some modeling jobs during the year that paid. And to me, a $500 modeling job was like, oh my gosh, I could live for the next three months because I didn't have like living expenses. I wasn't paying rent, but I could buy like my food and my gas. Wow. Wow. But I will say we had incredible sponsors as far as my clothing went, my gown to go to Miss America, my training. I had to have like telecommunications and speech training. And I had great, great, great help in that regard as far as like interview prep. I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how many mock interviews I've had. So any type of, (laughs) after being Miss Florida, a job interview, I didn't, I've never prepared for a job interview in my life because of my training for Miss America. So that is probably one of my biggest proponents, like reasons why I'm such a huge proponent for pageantry for women. Because it preps you for that. Oh my gosh. I had to prepare to get interviewed by Rush Limbaugh. He was my judge at Miss America. Oh, wow. So when they heard that my platform was homelessness and then my judge was Rush Limbaugh, you can only imagine what my team that was helping me prep, they were like, say, we've got work to do. Yeah, you've got work to you do. You better be ready. Because you've got a diehard Republican over here. Oh, and this you're man a is going kind of to platform. eat you yeah. alive. Yeah, he's yeah. going to throw some tough ones at you. So, yeah. you know, you're, you're prepping, you're doing all of this. And it sounds like you had a support staff as far as like, helping you prepare, mm-hmm. and, you know, but from an economic standpoint, the support might not have been there. So what right. did that next five months look like? You're going around, you're traveling, and then you prepare and you guys go to, I believe you said, what, where did you have to go to in the country? The pageant, the pageant was in Vegas. Oh, Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Always in Vegas, by the way? No, it's back in Atlantic City. So okay. it was founded in 1921, Miss America. But yeah. So this year. That year, they had a three-year contract with, in, with the Planet Hollywood okay. in, so in Vegas. You're in Las Vegas, you arrive. Yeah. You're there for a week. Two weeks that time. Two weeks that time. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so this time, media, prep, interviews, oh, yeah. all kinds of stuff. You're just oh, yeah. speaking nonstop. Exhausted. Yeah. And it's probably 12, 16-hour days, not eight-hour oh, yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. So, and not only that, but there would be like a radio station that wanted to talk to Miss Florida and they wanted to talk to me on the morning show. So I'm in Pacific time zone and they want Miss Florida at... 6.30 or 7 a.m. Eastern. 3.30 your time. And so my schedule when I would get to my room at wow. night on my bed was like, my roommate was was Maryland. And so she's one of my best friends. I was just in her, I was at her wedding like two weeks ago. And um, she would be in the bubble bath. And for some reason, maybe it was the red hair. Maybe it was just that Florida is a, a bigger name mm-hmm. than Maryland. <laughs> she would be hysterically laughing. She'd be like, um, unless you want to start crying, I wouldn't look at your schedule for tomorrow. You might just want to go ahead and take a shower. <laughs> You're like, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Should just pull it all nighter at this yeah. point. Yeah. Wow. So go through the, go through, how did, how did that end up going? How did Miss America end up going in 2009? What was the outcome? Okay. So this is actually, I think going to really answer one of your, your points that we were talking about earlier. And we can probably just like wipe that one right off. <laughs> is that a phrase? Um, 
the woman that won Miss Florida had no idea that people would put expectations on her. And when I look back, the woman that won Miss Florida was herself. Like it was just me. And that's why I won. Mm-hmm. Because there was no pretenses. There was no disparity. There was no cognitive dissonance between like who you met and then the woman that was represented. So person you get on stage is the person you're going to talk to off stage. And when you, when I went through that five months, it was like this mind warp of like, you have to be, you, it was all me doing it to myself, but the woman who showed up at Miss America was not who won Miss Florida. And, and so I, I just look back and I just think I almost like imploded. It Ah. was like, do you think it's more of the pressure you put on on myself? I, you know, I, I come from a really small town, Oviedo, and it was like, in my head, I'm like, this is your shot. Yeah. Like, this is your chance to like change your whole life. Like you I the, listened- You have the Eminem song playing in the oh, background. Oh, I know the whole song. <laughs> my brother Leland recorded me doing the song- the Lose Yourself. In Nashville, in oh, his wow. studio. I was a little bit drunk, but I, <laughs> I can do the entire song because I listened to that song every single day I while I was that. getting ready. And so it was like- you come from not very much and this could be a chance to change everything for your children, for your family, for everybody. Wow. And I put all of that pressure on myself and it was like, looking back, I'm like, well, I mean like people don't even know who won Miss America in 2009. No, I couldn't tell right? you. Right. I couldn't tell you exactly. At all. But that, that pressure was building false expectations are being set in your head. Yeah. The, the pressure of the outcome, you know, I've, I've heard someone tell me, uh, yeah, I got a, I got a great, uh, mentor. Um, said this to me, um, his name's Brad Canada. He said this to me, he said, you know, the biggest challenge with people. And in this, this scenario with me, I was trying to buy a building and I'm like, we gotta buy this building. We gotta get this. We gotta get that. And I'm like, if the real estate agent says, if we don't do this, we're not gonna get this commercial building. He goes, you know what the problem is right now with you? And I said, what's that? He said, you're married to the outcome. Mm-hmm. I said, married to the outcome. He goes, you already see yourself in that building and you already see what that represents and you will pay anything to get that at all costs. Mm-hmm. And he goes, that's a dangerous proposition. Mm-hmm. And it was the best piece of advice I probably had gotten in the last 10 years. And to this date, yeah. I share that with other people when they get married to the outcome. Yeah. And it sounds like you might've been married to the outcome yeah. to Miss yeah. America at that time. And so, you know, we were just talking about it's, it, yeah, it, absolutely. That's what it was. And it's like the world at that time was not a huge proponent of showing the truth of what was going on. Right. You know, but had looking back, had I been open about what was really going on in my life at that time, I might've done a lot better. Well, you know, we're going to talk about that my later family on. family was I think... falling apart. The world was in a shitty situation. Yeah. Um, I, I was really in not a great space when it came to like my personal life. I was handling it well, but I, I, I could have been more open about what was going on. And I think I would have been more relatable. Uh, I can see that. The I vulnerability, mean, the actual truth, the go. authenticity, like the that's what people want. Well, and you know, I think we're going to talk about that later on in yeah. the show, but that's that post COVID that kind of came with that as that realness, right? right? But I do have a question. So we talked about what was the most intimidating thing Rush Limbaugh asked you? I'm curious because oh, I, I'm not saying I'm a, I'm not a, I'm not a fan or not a fan, <laughs> but I know that the, I know that he can be very persuasive and aggressive with his conversations oh, and gosh. he has a very, uh, how do I say, he's very opinionated, you know? So fun fact, they only release every year after Miss America. So they record our, inter- our private interview with the judges. You okay. have a nine and a half minute private interview with the judges with a 30 second optional close. And that's how they keep it fair. Okay. They time it. You have producers in the room. They're filming the, the interview. After the pageant, they release the woman who won and then four randomly chosen interviews out of all 
52 contestants. Interesting. And then you can't get a hold of the footage if your life depended on it, if you weren't one of those five. Okay. So hmm. I've never seen my Miss America interview and I tried my hardest afterwards. I made friends with the production staff. I was like, I'm going to get my interview. I'm going to try. I'm going to try so hard. And um, I really don't remember specific questions. But when I talk about imploding and like being like I was in a pressure cooker, I was so passionate about what I was talking about um, in regards to, I was saying it was, um, we were, I believe we called uh, my platform statement title was like hunger and homelessness in America. And I was, I was so dead set on getting people to understand that the fastest growing segment of homelessness at that time was women and children. Okay. And specifically female veterans. And, and so I was just, I was so passionate because I had been living it mm -hmm. and speaking with these people and hearing their stories and, and seeing these people that needed help that I started crying in my interview because it was just like welling up inside of me. So it was like all this pressure and stress and exhaustion and just started like welling up. So I, I remember he targeted it and he definitely did address my platform, but I don't remember a specific question. Well, it also sounds like you were and so this was him post getting caught with all the Oxycontin in Hawaii. Oh, wow. And we all thought to ourselves, like, surely they're going to cancel him. <laughs> no, more controversy, the better. <laughs> from being our judge. Well, you know, and also, also, you know, just from what you were saying earlier, that's your comfort zone. Right. You know, so you were very passionate because it's your comfort zone. It's where you lived. You're like, this is what got me out of that shadow to the forefront. So right. it does sound like that you have every reason to be passionate about that. So yeah. the, the decisions are made. You don't win. Mm-hmm. 2009, what happens next? Okay, so actually, so yeah, Miss America 2010 was in January. And then um, you go back to your state and you're still that state title holder. So For you go home year. and yeah, you have to finish out the year. Okay. So the next pageant wasn't until the following July. So then you have January through July to go back home and be Miss Florida, okay. which actually was quite relieving because no longer the pre pressure that you're preparing for Miss America, it's over. Did you come back to the contestant that you were during that show or did you still bring... <sighs> Part of Miss America I think I did. I think I you. let loose a little bit. Okay. Like I was so strict on myself. I mean, I have a spiral notebook to this day where I was, I was working with a nutritionist and my mm -hmm. personal trainer and everybody that I had a journal of where I kept my gratitude. Then I had a journal, I'm sorry, where I kept my platform statement and I would write speeches. I would write as Miss America, I would write speeches mm -hmm. and I had this notebook full. So it was like from the like emotional, psychological perspective. And then on the physical side, I was like, basically the way I looked at it was like, I have this one chance to show up in all of these categories as a 10, like to make it where there's no doubt in their minds that I'm Miss America. So anyway, that's how strict I was. But I have a spiral notebook where I wrote down every single thing I ate and drank for five months preparing for Miss America because I would like track my ounces of water. I would track how many servings of whatever I had. Sounds a little dangerous. Yeah, that it sounds was insane. You know, some might say obsessive, some might say regimented, some might say dangerous. Yeah, but you know, it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah, or all three, I guess, totally. at that point. You know, yeah. but looking back on that, you're you're looking at it and you go, "This is what I was doing. That's what my that was my only focus. That yeah. was my plan." Looking Win back this. on it, though, would you say like that was healthy? That was good? No, or that, no, no, that led to all that pressure yeah. on myself for yeah. sure. No. And you know, I think a, a lot of that sounds like it's probably self induced pressure mm -hmm. more than it is outside forces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure everybody was worried about me. <laughs> So 2010, you're okay, back here. Okay, so yeah. So coming back, I, I ended up like, I would go on dates and I would allow myself to like live my life outside of being Miss Florida too. That's so cool. yeah, so I let loose a little bit. So there's a big gap between 2010 and 2017. So yeah. what, what were you doing during that time? And so what that, led you to get back into the 
the two thousand. <laughs> what, what did you? I mean, was we know what we know what started it? What what re-energized yeah. it from two thousand ten to two thousand seventeen? So I then went on a journey of, um, I, I, I made a lot of great contacts as Miss mm -hmm. Florida and learned that I did in fact love speaking up on stages. I do love um, being heard contrary to what I told myself when I was younger. And I, I felt like, well, I have a lot to say. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go out there and, and pursue this. And so I got a contract with Lexus and I toured with them for seven years as a product specialist, which was sort of the core of my world at that time, because okay. it was like a lot of travel. I was in and out of hotel rooms all the time. I went to every auto show and event you can possibly imagine. And regard anytime you've ever seen Lexus sponsoring something, mm -hmm. I was probably So what is a product there. specialist at this point? We go to Lexus college okay. and we learn every single thing about all of the vehicles down to the torque and the I mean, everything, everything, every paint option that the RC3500 can come in, every single tire option, every single wow. thing. Yeah. You know more about cars than Charlie and I do combined <laughs> is what you're telling me. Well, I used to, and I would use that knowledge like in my like late 20s on like dates and stuff to like say like, well, the LFA only had 532 horsepower and 471 pound feet of torque. Totally intimidating the guys what you're doing. Yeah, but I really <laughs> didn't really like learn what pound feet meant until later. But anyway, um, so touring was awesome. And that really opened up my world too. That's cool. And then that led to a lot of speaking engagements, modeling jobs. I worked in the music industry in Nashville when I lived there for a little bit with my nice. older brother. That was an experience. I lived I on a tour bus for a little while. Then I moved to LA for a hot minute. So it was just like, it was just expanding my world at that time. It was, it was great. Expanding and just meeting people and yeah. making contacts. Did you find coming out of, you know, Miss Florida and, and Miss America, did, did people reach out to you and talk about like, you know, did, did other women reach out to you and talk about, you know, anything like you've, you've done for them or, or, you know, you gave me encouragement to do this or I love your platform about that. Did anyone reach out or say anything like that? Oh yeah. I mean, it's been, I haven't kept track of it all, but. I've had, I mean, I've, I've, I, there was a period there where I was doing a podcast interview every month in the last, I don't know, probably like before I got married and had kids, but um, I would get messages on social media and it would say like the woman, the person that you're being and portraying and, and talking about in the pageant world has really helped me to step into who I am in the pageant world and realize that it's okay that I'm awkward and goofy and funny or that I can curse sometimes or that I can be real. So cool. thank you for that. And so, yeah, I've had, I've had some encouragement in that regard. That's gotta be completely rewarding. When you look back, you're like, yeah, you know, I, I helped with that. Yeah. That's awesome. That makes a big difference. That's very cool. So yeah. you're, you're making contacts. You're Alexis, truly a product specialist. <laughs> I mean, when you started saying that, I'm like, I had my own vision of what it was. And then you broke it down. I'm like, wow, like she knows It was a fun lot. because we would, they would dress us very nicely. Mm -hmm. And of course they, hired us through a modeling agency. So at the auto shows, you walk around and don't be like tricked by these, yeah. these women. Like don't we judge know our stuff. Yeah. And so it was fun because you would have these, like sometimes these little chauvinistic men walking around, like asking like, well, what do you know about the car? And I'd be like, what do you know about the car? It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And so. And it, by the way, that's very typical for the car industry, right? Right. I mean, very, very. Yeah. Just if you had to, if you had to paint a picture, that's exactly what would happen in my yeah. head. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. It so, was fun. Yeah. I, it, it was a fun job. It sounds like you had more fun actually like catching them off guard. Like, oh, I'm going to show you what and I know. And then I got really jaded near the end. And I'm pretty sure that's why my contract ended. It was like <laughs> year seven. I was just like, I don't even have time to answer you. I would just turn around and walk away like I didn't hear them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So as that, as that is kind of unfolding and wrapping yeah. up. So at some point you make a decision. I'm going to get back into this. 
Yes. So I was living in Nashville. I met my now husband and someone reached out to me from the Miss United States organization, which I have to say is there's lots of different pageant organizations. Mm -hmm. So when people think of like they, and I think when you're not in the pageant world, it's very easy to think Miss USA, Miss United States, Miss America, isn't that all the same thing, but you're just saying it different ways. But they are Guilty separate. Ent- they are separate entities, and so someone from that organization reached out to me and said, "Would you want to compete in the Miss Florida pageant that leads to Miss United States?" Okay. And looking back at what, when I prepare for something like a pageant, I love what it does for me. It's sort of like, okay, it's like when you have a marathon on the calendar. You're like, okay, I'm. G- I have to run these miles because I can't just show up on the day of the marathon and expect to run 26.2. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Good analogy. So I love knowing that when I set my sights on a date that I'm going to go compete in something, I don't go there to just play around. I'm going to win. That's that competitive side, right? You mentioned earlier. I, it's sort of like a jump start. It's like, okay, get your ass in gear because you're going to show up that day and you're not going there to lose. Right. So I love putting something like that on the calendar. And, and Anthony has asked, you you know, he's like, (laughs) There are Mrs. Pageants. <laughs> and he's like, if we get married, please tell me you're not interested in Mrs. Pageants. And I'm like, let's just say it's like a 50-50. And he's like, no. And I'm like, it would just be fun. He's like, it's not fun. So he had never been to a pageant in his life when he met me. And then wow. and then all of a sudden. I mean, he, most men probably haven't right, been to a pageant. Right. So then there he is sitting in the, you know, the audience at Miss United States carrying my gown to the dressing room, like the whole nine yards. This guy is like, what have I gotten myself into? I'm trying to visualize that, oh, by yeah. the way. Oh, yeah. So this is, so you're, you're going to the Florida representing Miss, so excuse I me, win, trying to win Miss Florida. So, so I win Miss Florida. and Same concept, I knew, win, represent the state. Yeah, the I was pageant. like, well, I'm not going to go to Florida and not win it. I can't be Miss Florida for Miss America and then show up to this pageant and not win it. And at this time, you're 28 years old? 29 and I turned 30 on my way to Miss uh, United States. Okay. So Mm -hmm. 29 years old. Yep. And then, so what's the gap between winning Miss Florida and this and then going straight to Miss I believe that pageant was in, well, Anthony and I met in February. So the pageant was in April for Miss Florida and then Miss United States was in June. Okay. So it's real quick. Quick. Boom, boom. Yeah. Not that, not that lengthy that we mentioned earlier. So you're going right into it. And where's this one hosted at? Orlando. Oh, so convenient. Champions Gate. Super convenient. Yeah. So so you got the hometown crowd. Oh yeah. That's always helpful. Yeah. And you go right into this. How long is this one? We were there four or five days. Four or five days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, when you hear like Miss America, there's there's a sponsor that does that or a person puts that on. Miss United States, was there a big sponsor for that one? Hmm. No. Okay. So Miss United They're States. They're kind of like a, yeah, like a private entity. Private guess, entity. Say. So you go yeah. in there. What's the difference between 2017 at this point, Rachel, and mm-hmm. 2009, Rachel? Are you putting all this undue pressure that you realize you shouldn't oh, no, have done not that at now? I'm not at all, but I had, oh, so in that time while I was being a product specialist, I had also gone to yoga school. Okay. I then spent a year studying positive psychology with the scientific, like scientific study of human optimal performance, which wow. was like totally changed my life, which we should have done an entire podcast on that. <laughs> and then I spent a year studying positive psychology through a Harvard affiliate program. And then I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, where I studied the mind body connection between Food, nutrition, health, awesome. all of that. So you essentially you're training. You're putting all this good stuff. Well, and in I your figured world. out what is it that I want to be an expert in so that I can then teach it to others. And everything that I had learned <laughs> post Miss Florida, post Miss America, through the world of modeling and, and and the world that I was in, how can I coach women and how can I make sure that I'm an expert in it? I can't just say like, well, I have this experience, so I'd like right. to share it with you. I want to have like an education behind me. Good for you. So 
that's what I spent my Miss America scholarship money on was going to all those programs. Wow. Yeah. Good and for you. so I utilized everything that I learned in those trainings and beyond to, to prepare. I mean, I visualized it. I planned it. I knew, I knew I was going to win. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, in my mind, here's what I think. Like I'm an athlete, you know, I'm not an athlete, but if I'm an athlete and you know, say I get hurt, I want to go train on what I got hurt on and get it better. Physical therapy. Yeah, physical therapy. Or if I was told by a coach, you need to work on this and then you'll get to the next level. I'm going to spend the entire off season working on this, but your off season was like eight years. <laughs> and you really, really, it sounds yeah. like you did a lot more than just work on it. You almost tried to master it or, or you did during that time. Yeah. And I guess now looking at it, which thank you for helping me realize this. It, I didn't really think about like, well, in, in X amount of years, I'm going to attempt to go for miss something. Right. But when that opportunity arose, it was like, well, you didn't win the national title when you were younger. Let's just go ahead and prove it to yourself that you yeah. can. So it was a little bit of a vendetta and I am competitive. So it was kind of like, well, let me just go do it. Yeah. It sounds like you're better trained I for wasn't going to show up and not walk away with it. That's awesome. Yeah. So now you're there four or five days in mm -hmm. doing the interviews, all the prep. What was like the shining moment of that one? Because clearly your, your mindset's different. But what was the shining moment where you're like, I got this? Mm. I know exactly what it was. Oh, wow. The onstage question, okay. which is always like an interesting part of pageantry, right? That's the clip that that's makes it the on one YouTube. I, think, I was going to say, that's the one I think of every time. Because the women, a lot of times get thrown off because they're not great with extemporaneous speaking or being asked to speak off the cuff. Okay. And when I train and work with somebody, it's, it's really what that is, is that what you really feel and what you want others to think of you are two very different things. And so we work together to bring that line to where it's the same thing. Okay. Because when you can bring that for like when that's already forward, when that's open and outward, when that's what you're giving people, that's where connection comes from. That's where people want to be around you more. That's magnetic. That's what people are looking for in life. The realness. But what we try is put on these layers. And so the, the more layers you allow to come into your life, the further away that gets from here. Mm -hmm. And then when you meet somebody and you have this sort of like, just like, eh, I don't really feel like I connected with that person right. or I don't really care if I ever spend any more time with that person it's because this gap is quite large. Yeah. And so on my onstage question, in my onstage question, I'll have to go back and watch the video because I don't remember the exact word verbatim, but it was something about my childhood or, oh, it was like, if you could go back and tell your middle school self anything. Oh, Wow. It's like they knew. <laughs> and for me, yes. But in the past, what I would have done was probably try to put on this, like, I would say to her, don't worry about the bullies because you're better than that. And you're beautiful on the inside. Right. But what I took it to was like my family story and the stuff I had struggled with, with my dad leaving and then being, you know, we're working and we've worked on and reconciled and everything's wonderful. But it's like, I brought it back to like the, the, the damage that it had done to me as a young woman and not feeling worthy. And then the work that I have done to overcome that, to be standing on that stage right then. So it was like, I just, I just put it all out there. Whereas a lot of times what happens in an interview of any kind, your conscious brain is editing what your subconscious wants oh, to say. 100%. We see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We see it all the time. Yeah. You know, when you said that, when you said the difference between here is you point to your heart and then the message you want to deliver is finding that, that place in the middle. I think I've heard John Maxwell describe that as leading with your heart. Mm -hmm. And it's a term he uses for like management things is if you could, if you could get rid of those layers right, and be real and lead with it, you know, that, 
that you'll build more of a trust and all, all relationships are built on that foundation. Because if you have healthy trust, then I can have a healthy conflict. And I worry about you judging me on that conflict because now I know we have everything built on a trust foundation because I can lead that way. Right. And you know, it's a, I love the fact that you're doing that with people because we need more of that in today's world. Right. Right. We need more of that. Cause right now I got, I mean, I can point to this phone. There's a lot of fakeness going on out there. (laughs) And it's like, that was edited, you know, how many times where it was put online, photoshopped, et cetera, et cetera. And that does cause a, you know, there's a sense of, you know, um, how can I say competing? Am I not worthy? How do I keep up with that? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot. And I mean, I can only imagine in the pageant how that happens. Right. (laughs) So you win this congratulations, which is awesome. So what was the next step? What was that like when they put that crown on you? What was that feeling? Was it redemption? (sighs) Was it like validation? What was it? It was, I, I was just really happy to, to have, I'm trying not to edit it, but I'm really trying to get in touch with that, what that moment was. It was, it was, it was redemption. It was like, okay, like you proved to the little girl that thought she wasn't worth anything, yeah. that you're worth something, did that you, you're worth. Did you immediately run to the 50 yard line at UCF? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that, that's a story for another time. But when I was Miss Florida, uh-huh. we played in a bowl game. Okay. Uh, Miss, uh, sorry, UCF played in a bowl game against Rutgers. Okay. And the it was in the um, the stadium over in the west coast of Florida. I don't even know where we were playing. Was it the U.S.? Is Probably there a one stadium in Tampa. over there? There's Tampa? one in Tampa. Yeah, there's a Tampa stadium. A big there. stadium. Yes, yeah, huge. Tampa Bay. Okay. It was Jordan, the guy that broke. Smoke. So this is like full circle. His <laughs> last game as a college football player, because mm-hmm. his NCAA um, whatever had run out. So. Yep. He was injured. And if he ever gets a hold of this podcast, I really do think very highly of you. Um, and I had to do the coin toss as Miss Florida. And he's standing there, not even able to play in the last game uh, of his career. That's tough. And there I am on the on the 50 yard line. Wow. With, with Rutgers and they're UCF. a New York team, right? Yeah. No, yep. they're a Jersey team. Crimson, yeah. red. Crimson, red, and white. Yep. yep. And UCF on my left. And I got to do the coin toss. That's I cool. Was like, God, this was way bigger than I ever asked for. <laughs> I just wanted to be Miss UCF. <laughs> Oh, well, so, you know, you, you get this moment, you know, and they put the crown on you. So yeah. what's, what's next? What's after that moment? What happens? Like, obviously you have a, a year journey. You have mm-hmm. to carry the crown. Mm-hmm. What does that even mean? Like I hear that term all the time. Like, what does, I mean, I physically, I know you're not carrying the crown, yeah. but what does that mean? Well, you know, I have to say the, the Miss America organization, when Miss America is crowned, there is a calendar that doesn't have a lot of open dates left on it. She's already so you're committed. Booked. They already know it. Miss United States was not so much like that. Okay. There was more of an empty calendar. So it was up to me to, to really build relationships with organizations. And I, as you have heard, was a little bit out of the loop when it mm-hmm. came to that stuff. So it was, it was challenging. I was my, I mean, you don't, I didn't really have a team. That's I was my own PR agent. I was my own social wow. media coordinator. I was my own everything. And, um, I mean, we did get to do some fun stuff. We did fashion week in New York. We, we got to go to um, New Orleans and visit some terminally ill children and being able, there was this one little girl that, that she apparently was very passionate about pageants, but she was to the point where she was in hospice care. Oh. I think she was probably eight or nine. I have a photo still and she was at home. And so her parents let us come into her home, which I don't think they would have done probably six months prior when thinking she might make it because of uh, exposure to germs sure. and her immune response. But at the end there, they were just like, we'd love anybody to come visit. And so I got wow. to sit with her and I wore, I mean, normally I wouldn't put on like the crown and sash to go visit somebody, but that little girl wanted to see that. And so she couldn't talk anymore. 
and her little face was just so swollen and like just being able to just know that like I got to bring that to her before she passed away like a very young age was yeah. super, super impactful to me more than it probably ever will be to her. Well, yeah. And that's usually when you do things like that, it's always you feel it more than sometimes the, yeah. the people that you're doing it for. Yeah. yeah. Good point. So yeah. you're, you're going around, you're doing things. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you're booking your own stuff, making a part of that. I bet that year goes by pretty quickly. It went by really quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I was 30 years old, so I'm, I'm working, mm -hmm. I'm still doing modeling jobs. I was, married. I was, I was not married yet. I was with Anthony, but yeah, okay. not married. Engaged? Nope. Not nope. even engaged. Okay. So not the Would have been so. cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I think he was waiting strategically till all that was Just done. wondering. I don't know. Yeah. This was a stupid thought. If you were married, would he have been Mr.? United States, 2017. When he listens to this, he's going to be like, "Thank you, Quentin." <laughs> so, um, so as we, as we kind of as we kind of go through this here, so uh, you know, something changes after this. You know, it, we we come into 2018. Yeah, you know, something changes. It's true. What changes? Well, in worldwide or my life, both. Yeah, I. I really realized that I was at the point where I wanted to come off the road. I wanted to have roots. I mm -hmm. wanted, I mean, obviously I was, I was already involved with Anthony's daughter mm -hmm. and she was at the Miss United States pageant, so which was cool. super cool. And I really started to, I don't think I realized it was happening, but I was shifting into a different role in life. And I don't know that I was quite ready to like give it up and like not give it up, but you know, it's like, you you think in your head like, well, I'm building this, I'm going to be this model and spokesperson and I'm going to speak on stages and I'm doing my thing. And like everyone thinks that I'm, you know, doing great because I'm always in a different hotel room and I've lived life on airplanes. And I sort of needed to admit to myself that like that wasn't exactly the life that I wanted. And that was a hard one because I didn't want to like I don't know. It was sort of like, are people going to think she had to like give it up or that she right. like wasn't successful at it. So she needed to like tone it down. Do you feel like that identified down. you? That was like your, well, do you feel like, you know how sometimes that's like a MDS behind your name? Was yeah. The, was well, it Miss United States 2017? Yes, your name, and Miss United States. Yes. And, and looking back, I, when I was, so at 21 is when I won Miss Florida and I'm going, or 22 and I'm going like, is that healthy? I mean, I wouldn't change a thing, but is it healthy at that age to have this thing that happens that's sort of viewed in life as a peak or mm -hmm. like a, wow, look what your child did. Your parents are mm -hmm. thinking that. And then, and I've talked about this a lot with alumni of pageantry and other state title holders. We have another state title holder in this, um, in this city, by the way, she's amazing. I'll have to introduce you if you could have her on. Um, and I've talked about this with her mm -hmm. that you feel my analogy is that every time I saw people from hometown or my parents, friends that like at the time that I won Miss Florida, I have this beautiful PowerPoint presentation of like, well, what's your daughter up to now? Like, <laughs> wow, you must be so proud. And so I would get out my pointer and be like, well, next up I'm going to this location and then I'm yeah. going to be going to Miss America. And so then the years following, it's like this mental mind F where you're like, I don't know if I can say that word on no, your show. Go ahead. Like a mental mind fuck where you're like, well, I don't have anything to show for myself, so I shouldn't show up. Or I, I, uh, I feel embarrassed that this was what you expected from me at 22, and now at 27, I'm barely paying my bills, having a blast, by the way, but like <laughs> doing okay. But you know, I'm, I'm 
I'm just living my life, but it, like I didn't have a lot to sh- like I didn't feel like I had a lot to show. So anyway, to answer your question, it, it, it did. It, it felt like a little bit of like a, like a decrease in the momentum. So, you know, you hear about these comeback stories, mm-hmm. right? And it's people that have this huge level of success their freshman year in the business. Right. And then there's a sophomore slump. Mm-hmm. And the sophomore slump could be lack of success. It could be mindset. It could just be not putting forth the effort to get to the level you were last year yeah. or just expecting to be at that because, well, you got there well, last the year, right? Was the showing. trajectory was showing. This is where I should be. So it's, it's, an, it's not entitlement. I don't like that word, but it's an expectation, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the energy and the results that you put in to get to that level don't necessarily reciprocate the following years because you feel like the momentum's already there. Right. And I love what you did. You said, you know what? I'm going to reinvest in myself, mm-hmm. you know, through yoga you know, positive mental awareness and really diving into that. Yeah. And then, then you got this comeback story. And, yeah. I, don't, I, and I mean that in a, the most respectful way, because I think it's a great story. You come back and you're like, you know what, I'm going to prove and I'm going to show because I can, and I'm in the right mindset to do it. And, yeah. and you did it. So congratulations. Thank you. So then, then this thing happens in the world. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think everyone's an expert on it at this point, but then, you know, we start hearing, <laughs> we start hearing, Self-proclaimed. Fourth, yeah, we start hearing fourth quarter rumblings in December of, 19 of this COVID outbreak that takes place and everybody was impacted at some level, some more than others. Uh, unfortunately, you know, some people did lose family members to this and it's just, it was, it was just one of those things that really, you just, you don't want to say it got blown out of proportion, but it really just took off and there was a lot of fear mongering. Yeah. Tons of fear mongering. Yeah. And so as this took place, you know, we had lockdowns in other countries. We had self, you know, imposed lockdowns in some states and some states didn't, but you found a lot of people just saying, Hey, I'm going to take a break. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to stay in for a little bit. And then that led to further, I mean, almost 18, 19, 24 months later, people still doing that. But what we found was there was a lot of, a lot of not good that came from that. Right. And there was a lot of people that, that went into this that didn't come out better on the other side. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, we hear about the workforce, we hear about the economy, just didn't end up better on the other side. But then there was this human aspect of some people saying, you know what? Like, I'm tired of the fakeness. Like, I don't have time for it anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. And on the other side of this, we're starting to see being more real is actually more attractive right? than, you know, having this perfect office with everything where it needs to be versus the camera on. It's just a disaster in the background. Right. The dogs are running and people right. are going crazy and people are like, you know, I like that better because that's how I've been living for 24 months. And I understand that there's more of an right. identifi- you know, identification of that. So right. talk to us a little bit about where you've come out of this right? and what it's done for your branding Yeah, as, as we've kind of gone on the other side of 2000, Yeah, I guess 20 at this point. Yeah. So it's been two years. I I have to tell a funny story that I thought, I mean, I think I'm the funny, I think I make funny jokes, but <laughs> I don't think Anthony, that's funny. He was, so he was in obviously his office all that time upstairs. And just like you're explaining, mm-hmm. like he would get concerned if I was like bringing him a sandwich that I was like in the back. <laughs> He's don't like, do I'm that. on a call. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think people care if you're eating, like you're allowed to have a sandwich. They know I live here. And so I was just laughing because it was, it was just this, like, it took him a while to wrap his mind around that that was okay. Mm-hmm. So then as, as time went on, I noticed that there were some days where he like wouldn't shave and his hair would just be like getting longer and longer. <laughs> and he wouldn't even like really put on like a collared shirt. It would just be like a company sweatshirt. <laughs> and Like I watched it happen and I'm seeing on the other calls, like people's backgrounds changing. They're not trying to put the fake office behind them anymore. Right. And so I'm laughing at like, I'm like, this is great. You guys are like connecting. Like he worked 
in 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 a company where they were working with a lot of Indians mm-hmm. and they were awesome people. And also they would put up a lot of pretenses in the beginning of when I first met Anthony and I was working with these people. It was like they had to put on these like cultural like practices and everybody mm-hmm. needed to be proper and all this stuff. And I remember meeting people and needing to just like whatever. I, I embarrassed Anthony one time because we were in the owner's suite at the Jaguar Stadium and we were, I thought I'd never met Shad Khan. Mm-hmm. And we're there and there's some of Tech Mahindra, which was the company that Anthony was with. And then Shad Khan was lined up all with eight with the Tech Mahindra guys. Mm-hmm. And so he's going down the line. I'm meeting everybody, CP and 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 Arjun and all the guys, and then Shad. And so I just I'm like, that's Shad, okay? So we're sitting in the owner's suite and I leaned over and I was like, hey, Chad, do you know where the bathroom is? And Anthony was like, that is the owner of the Jaguars and his name is Shad and this is his stadium. Of course he knows where the, I'm like, this is great sushi, Chad, or whatever I said. To this day, he's like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> oh. So, so what I'm la- my story. Okay, sorry, I got off track. So I'm laughing because Anthony's leaving to go to one of the first in-person conferences that he had been to since. So this has to be in 21. 21. Yeah. And he's packing, and he's packing suits, all of his like really nice tailored suits. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, you guys are gonna really show up to this conference, having seen each other in your pajamas for the last two years, and put on these tight-necked and pull your tie up nice and tight and put on your suit jacket and your armpits are sweating and you're super uncomfortable. And you guys are all going to walk around like, do, 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 like, good to see you. Like, Oh, you look great. Like, and pretend like you You sound like you've worn a suit before. (laughs) Really? Can we not just go to like being comfortable and still do business? Like what does the suit do? Well, you know, I think, I think you're right. I mean, that's one thing I've noticed even in our business, you know, people got a lot more, real, a lot more lax. And yeah. they, you know, they're wearing what they would normally wear. Just because you wear something doesn't mean that justifies how good you are at it. Of course you don't want to like show up in like a wrinkled t-shirt sure. and look like you don't care. But sure. anyway, I think there's a line. I was just laughing. I was like, you guys are really going to walk around in your fancy suits and pretend <laughs> like you didn't just like see Arjun and his children, like changing a diaper in the background. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it definitely brought a realness factor, I think. Um, and you know, people that worked in their house, they found that like, that was like their sanctuary, their work, their business that kind of got intruded by everyone else in the house now. And they had yeah. an adaptation that take place with that. And then you had people that were allowed one person in the office and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And I remember being on some zoom calls and you're like, man, that dude hadn't got his hair cut in like six <laughs> weeks because he can't go get it cut. And it's, that's a whole nother, whole nother, uh, hairdo you got going on yeah. over there trying to make it work. And, yeah. um, you know, I would say that, um, I would say coming out of that, what I've seen is a level of comfortability with people mm-hmm. where they're saying, you know what, like, I just want being more real is, you know, being real. Like even when we're doing this outtakes, forget it, just keep it in there. It's yep. great. Like the more real, the better, because the less edited the world became after COVID, the more appreciated it became. Right. So let's talk a bit about your brand, the yeah, bombshell so movement. I, so it, what's interesting to me is that everything that I had learned through yoga and mindfulness and meditation and and positive psychology, rewiring your brains, neuroplasticity, being able to change your entire view of your own life, your own personality, like learning about all of that. Um, it, I learned about that in like 2000, 
12, 13, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. So then I'm sort of incubating it and thinking about it and, and of course internalizing it and then utilizing it to win Miss United States. And then this happens and I'm going like, this is awesome. Like this is, this is how I've sort of seen the world is like through the lens of, and I don't know if you're familiar with Brene Brown's work and she has like one of the most I'm popular not. TED Talks ever. Wow. And check it out her TED talk is about vulnerability and authenticity, but she's a researcher in social work. Okay. Very interesting stuff. She's got incredible books. Anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm following her work. Um, Brendan Bruchard, I'm following um, uh, Carol Dweck, who wrote a book called Growth Mindset. And so it's like all of these science and psychology is starting to shift in that direction of like when we do like when we do connect and share our truths, more connection happens. And then we actually get further in whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish, whether that be a business deal or that be a real estate situation or whether that be, you know, going. You mean you're telling me if we drop this fake wall down and we become more real with one number, we actually relate better? Is that what you're telling me? Hmm. I know. I would also it's say novel, that. Right? I would, yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And I would say that that goes with, uh, it goes with relationships, not just business. That's everything, you yeah. know? And I think what's interesting, what I'm hearing there is that, you know, the whole mental health aspect, we've heard about this, but it really was a thing. And it still is for a lot of people. Some people still are struggling with that. Yeah. But the struggle has to do with what you're, a lot of what you're talking about too, is, yeah. you know, the expectations people have put on themselves, yeah. you know, kind of like you did in 2009. There's this expectation of pre-COVID life coming out on the other side that sometimes those expectations just aren't meeting reality. Right. And I do, I do feel social media, I see it with my children. Social media is one of the toughest platforms to compete with that, 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 that pool that I just described, expectations versus what reality is yeah. right now. Yeah. And so with your brand, talk to us a little bit about it. I mean, yeah. So, so typically I would, I, I mean, not typically, I think that when we think of a bombshell, you're in the past, we would have thought of like Marilyn Monroe or like these like women that were iconic. Right. Right. And they were quote unquote, the ideal woman. Okay. Miss America. She was a bombshell. She had nothing wrong in her life and she had the perfect proportions and she always showed up the way she was supposed to and her lipstick's always perfect. <laughs> and I'm, I, 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 it's, I've been so encouraged by people talking about the types of things we're talking about post COVID that I'm like, well, there's a movement happening in that a bombshell of a woman is someone who she, she embraces those imperfections. You have the movement of like, I'm going to wear less makeup and show up more as myself. And women's conversations have changed to share more of the struggle side of what's going on so that we can connect and relate and know that you're not alone so that you're not feeling like I'm the only person dealing with this mental health issue. Mm-hmm. A lot of that's happening in the postpartum world with new moms. I mean, there was a big epidemic of of postpartum depression not being able to be talked about and women being embarrassed that they were going through that. So to me, a bombshell is like, and this is strictly speaking to women, is like embracing that femininity, but like in the scope of leadership. And like when a woman walks into a room, the type of energy that she can bring and the type of of softness that she can even bring to a business relationship, the type of um, realness and authenticity that, that we that we almost demand from life because we a woman really does just bring that into the world. Like it's like the soft place to land, but they're so strong right at the mm-hmm. core. And, and, and they know who they are. They know what they, they are worth. They know what they deserve. They know what they're going after and they're going to get it. Yeah. And not only that, but she also looks and feels amazing too, because that's allowed. You're allowed to, women are, are supposed to be admired. You know, it's like a femininity about them that you're, that's the way that they were designed. It's just supposed to be that way. 
Um, they're the only ones that can birth. You're a mother, you know, like it's just, I think just talking about this movement of like, you're allowed to embrace that all of that is you and you can still have struggles and you can still have times when you're off and you can still share that too. You're allowed to have that. I will tell you, you've made an impact on, on my daughter. Um, you know, I think I told you that during COVID you were, you were gracious enough to, when everything was locked down, you're like, you know what? Like, I'm going to do exactly what I just said. And I'm going to host yoga classes, workout classes on my driveway. Everyone in the neighborhood's invited. And it was really cool because my daughter at that time, that, that wasn't like a platform for her to even think about doing. Right. And I know that she would tell my wife and she's like, we got to be there at this time, Rachel says this. And then she saw the things that you were doing and she saw the lifestyle. I really do think there was an admiration on her behalf to you that took place. And even, even as little as when you gave her like a little bag of, of something, she just, you could see how she just really took that and cherished it. And it meant you were touching her. And that was an important time because she was 13 years old going into 14. You know, that's, that's an important time of life yeah. for a young girl going into a young woman. And so I just, it was really cool to see that. And I, I walked around the house and I would tell Aaron, I was like, I think like Rachel might be Taylor's like, new icon right now, you know, at, at during, during COVID, it meant a lot to her and it meant a lot to Aaron and I. So I, I you know, definitely you, you oh, had your hand that on that with so her happy. and, uh, I know it made us happy too, because she just, it was, it was cool to see that bring a side of her out that we haven't seen because my son's, he's more of like the athletic person in the family and kind of overshadows that, but for her to get involved, yeah, just get involved. Yeah, and it was healthy and it was good, and yeah. she was surrounded by a good group of people. I know that Aaron and I both appreciate it. it was pretty cool, and to see you do it at a, at a level like that, it's great to see what you're doing at a bigger level with your social medias and your platforms and reaching out to people and and helping everyone with that. Thank you. So, a um, couple questions here as we wrap up: Was it worth it? Was 2017 worth it? Yeah. It was looking yeah, back. That's it was awesome. Totally worth Good. It. Yeah. Last question. It won Anthony over. Oh, there you go. <laughs> no, he always says it. He's like, I could have dealt with that that whole year. <laughs> Where's the crown? Oh, it's in the garage. No, don't tell me it's in the garage. You know, I set you up for that. It's not fair. I knew it was in the garage because oh, Taylor told me that. So I had to ask. I had to ask. You know, my and you know, I'm probably the listeners are probably thinking that darn crown's probably in a box with a light shining I down know. on it and the inlet in the wall, but it's in the garage. Like, you I gotta why? ask you why. Not- That's why. Tell me why. Because here's the thing. Youth I tell women this all the time when I was coaching a lot for pageantry. I would say it is not about that sparkly hat that you're trying to get on your head. It is what you're going to do with every single day. You get 365 days to make the biggest impact that you can mm-hmm. as that title holder. Why would you perpetuate the notion that everyone thinks that it's all about the sparkles and the rhinestones and the whatever? Like it is not about that at all. And in fact, if they took that metal thing away and all you had to wear was some sort of thing that just designated that you were yeah. the title holder, you better still sure as hell show up as that woman every single day because those little girls that are watching that are the future, yep. they need you to. Well, you know, it's awesome message. And to me, it says this too, <clears throat> hearing what you've just talked about, you don't necessarily need a crown to define you. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard it was in the garage, I, my perceived notion was you, you, it wasn't worth it. You're the thing you're putting in the past, but after hearing our conversation today, it immediately just to me jumps off and goes, I don't need that. I don't need that because I I'm, I'm who I am without that. And that realness is who I am. And I don't need like a crown to tell people that. So that's kind of <laughs> why you. I wanted to bring that up and ask. Maybe I should show people on social media where it is. But I need to make sure you're right. I didn't realize that it could be thought in that regard of like, I want to forget about this chapter. So I'm going to stick it over here. Because the Miss Florida crown's in the attic. 
Yeah, see, and that's what that's that's the immediate notion that I'm thinking, right? So also maybe maybe I thought that's it was cool. up because maybe Thank maybe for... maybe Mando was gonna eat it. I know. <laughs> the dog was gonna tear it up. Poor dog. So well it's been great having you on the show today. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming out Thank and sharing you for your story with us. Yeah. It's been awesome. And uh, I just wanted to say I appreciate all you're doing out there and uh, bringing that movement. And I love the idea of just bringing the the message and removing the layers. So I think that's awesome. And Thank it's great you. to see what all you're doing out there. Thank you. Rachel, you want to tell people where they can check you out at and get more information? Yes, on all platforms. I'm at the Rachel Todd. <laughs> on all the platforms, that's it, the Rachel Todd. All right, so if you'd like to hear more information from Rachel at the Rachel Todd on all platforms, please check it out and uh, follow her on all the medias as well. So thank you again for being on the show. For more information and to hear more from what you're one more, check thank us out. Thank you uh, for glad. what you're doing in the world. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Please check us out at Apple Podcast and also check us out on YouTube. Thank you again for being here. You're welcome. I got one more shot, I'm gonna make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it. And when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah